Keep digging ourselves out of this snow here in Toronto. Sammy, how's our, our premier? Is our premier out there uh, shoveling? Uh, yes, he's out there shoveling. Um, he's just doing his part, guys. Let's just leave it at that. How's that? Sound? <laughs> doing his part. Do you see the? the <laughs> do, do you see the size of his shovel? I've I've got forks bigger in my kitchen <laughs> than his shovel. Boys, he. I gotta tell you, I, I went ham this year. Go ahead, Sammy. <laughs> I was just gonna say the one video of him doing it. He's he's kind of like shoveling it back towards his feet. He puts like a big load into the top of his boot. Like, what are you doing, pal? <laughs> You never Guys, I brought one. Of, I bought one of those three foot wide shovels they use on the oh, ice after yeah. the Zamboni. Oh, I'm yeah. all in this year. Just get that, got the right tool. Tim the Toolman Love Taylor, to more power. Hey. Love to hear it. <laughs> no, no shoveling the shite out of Cam Jansen and the Cam oh, and Strict yeah. podcast. None at all. Just bring you the goods. Cam, are you actually on my show? Is that true, or is it just a vicious rumor? Hey, by the way, I don't shovel anything. I have I hire people to do that for myself. I'm not shoveling. <laughs> it doesn't let me down here anyway. Yeah, no, I'm here, man. I, I got you. I did. I'm sorry about that. The last time it was a little confusing. I get confused easily. My bad on that. No, no, no. The, it was it was the fact that uh, I think you were contractually obligated to TSN still, and we bought the contract out of TSN just to have you on our show. It was expensive, Cam. <laughs> But it was it was well worth it. Well, send it in the mail. I'll be waiting for it. So, um, lot lot going on uh, for you in St. Louis. We think that uh, the team's kind of getting ready for a, a a big playoff push. We saw it Saturday night. A lot of Leaf fans excited that uh, they took down a fairly hot team at home. Few guys missing, but your overall thoughts of the hockey game Saturday night, Cam? Well, it was a back and forth kind of it was the exact game that I think Craig Berube didn't want to play you know but it just Toronto sometimes forces you into that and uh but yeah they were missing some guys and look everybody's been missing guys left and right it's been weird on everybody throughout the league but but yeah like when you're missing like Colton Pareko who logs you know 27 minutes a night like that's kind of tough and guys that's been in and out all year long and they're kind of still finding ways to you know stay in hockey games at least in that uh situation but Look, if you're gonna go like if you're gonna have a track meet with Toronto, you, you, they're they're so loaded. They're they're gonna find ways to score. They put a show on, but it was entertaining nonetheless. But again, I think Craig Berube kind of walked away from that. Like, yeah, okay, let's we we could have like shut them down in neutral zone a little bit more, but uh, it was entertaining nonetheless. But the Blues do. They, they this is a grind of the season. This is a dog days, but they are gonna they're gonna be okay. They're deep. They might be looking for a defenseman here and there, which is not an, an easy thing to do. But they do have some prospects, and, you know, Doug Armstrong always has that uh, that phone on. You know that. Yeah, no doubt. The uh, the one thing that with this team, maybe you could tell us about, you know, what style of team this Blues team is, because Kipper has them as, like, a Stanley Cup favorite, one of the better teams in the league. But I was looking, they actually score as much as any team in the NHL this year. You know, I'm used to thinking of them as this big, bruising team that, that wins on defense. What kind of team are the Blues this season? They roll four lines. I mean, they could. They have so many guys that could just be switched in and out. Like Barbashev could do everything. He hits. He could score. They got Russians they put together. You got some of these young kids that have just been grinding in the minors because the Blues have been deep for quite some time. So these kids are finally like, oh, I'm here. Okay, everybody's got COVID. Okay, fine. I'm going to show up. Logan Brown and, you know, Dakota Joshua and some of these guys are like, no, I could, I'm here to stay too. 
So there's a lot of competition that's going on too. So they could roll four lines. Now the defense has been, if you're going to really dissect it and you want to pinpoint something out that's somewhat negative would be the defense here and there. They might, again, guys been in and out of the lineup. Nico Mikola, who's a six foot six uh, kid that's in there uh, that finally is, is making his mark. He's tough to get around, you know, like he just has a, he just gets in the way. He's starting to play with a little bit of an edge and it's fun to watch. So they got, they're loaded. I mean, they really are. It has been swamped with COVID. They've been hit with weird injuries. The goalie merry-go-round for a while, which was actually pretty entertaining to watch because they all were great. Um, but it's, it's been tough and you got to get like the tip of the cap to Craig Berube and a coaching staff as well. You know, Cam, you, you mentioned uh, uh, Logan Brown. He, he, of course, is uh, the son of uh, uh, former NHL and, and former Blue, uh, Jeff Brown. Uh, they pick him up for Sanford out of Ottawa, and it's like kind of one of those trades where you're not paying attention, really, and, like, good luck trying to send that guy down or, or have him cleared waivers. That's not going to happen. At 6'6", six, six, uh, he, he's turned himself into a bit of a player here. Oh, he, it was so, it, and Jeff was so proud too. And look, anything's going to happen. You're going to go through your ups and downs, but Logie, he was a great kid, by the way, he was part of that group, by the way, I believe in 16 with Keller and the Kachucks are all from St. Louis. They all got drafted, a bunch of studs out of your, uh, out of St. Louis, Missouri, that, that particular draft. Um, and, and he was the one kid that kind of couldn't find his mark, couldn't find his game, you know, went through some ups and downs, went through, you know, a weird time in Ottawa and stuck with it and have a chance in his hometown here in St. Louis cruising around with no bucket on and warm ups with the hair flowing back. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, I see him. I told him to do that, by the way. I know the game here. And, and, and now he found his mark. Like he could play kind of anywhere. Like he's smart. He gets the puck out of the zone. And it's, it's just, he's just, he found his mark, but he stuck with it. He got sent down early on and he went down there and, and, and kicked ass and he got the first uh, trip up. And he kind of hasn't looked back. And not to mention, they are very, very deep up front, too. And he's still finding ways to get in in a lineup. So he's doing good. And you know you're going to need him throughout the playoffs coming up here. You mentioned a guy I was bummed to not see in Pareko. You know, where is this guy among the league's best defensemen? Is he in that conversation? Like, I I know he's he's huge and he can skate and he does a lot of things well. Is he in that top 10 range or is that way too high for him? I would say if he was really mean, yeah. But he's not that he yeah. needs to be mean. That's kind of like the subject where he's got to be like Pronger's getting his jersey retired, by the way, in St. Louis tonight, which he 100% deserves. And you know how hardcore he was. And look, don't everybody wants to be like, oh, it's Colin Prego Pronger. Like, look, nobody's Pronger. <laughs> Nobody will ever be him. No one ever will be again. It's just not going to exist. He was a freak. He's unbelievable. So just stop with that. This is like St. Louis fans, by the way. But so, but, uh, but Cole Prego's good. Like, he gets the puck out of the zone. He went through a little bit of a, a, a weird, uh, you know, six months. He had, a, he had a back injury and stuff like that. But when he's on, you can't get around him. He's smart. He gets the puck out of the zone. doesn't take penalties. He could, like, take two steps and poke the ch- uh, puck away from you. Stuff like that. But people want him to be big and pronger type, and it's just not going to work out. But if you take that aside, yeah, he's a great player. Is he top in the league? No, but he doesn't need to be. He doesn't get paid that way. Speaking of Pronger, how hot is that ticket tonight? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, Pronger's are so cool, too. He's so funny, you know. Like, you know, he of all the intimidating factors he has in his uh, repertoire, 
the funniest, the, the most intimidating to me was I'd be out there and somehow I'd get caught crossing a shift with him and I'd be in front of the net and I'd go stop in front of the net like, oh, I'm doing something. And he'd look at me and stare into my eyes and say, what are you doing out here? <laughs> and I'm usually pretty funny about my rebuttal. I'm always, you have to be quick-witted when you're not very good. And I just looked at him and I go, I don't know. And I turned around and I put my stick into my legs and I got off the ice and I pouted. He, uh, just with that, his wittiness, how he controlled the media and stuff like that, besides all his skill set and what he did on the ice, like that kind of stuff, no one really talks about as much. And he just owned my life. And I still remember that. Does, how much has that team taken on uh, Barube's personality, like just having that sort of physical edge and that willingness? Like, I, I know you'd love to everyone to have a little Barube and Pronger to them, but uh, that, that's real rare in the NHL. But I feel like that Blues team has a bit of it in its DNA. Well, Barube's really cool. Like, he is. Yeah, yeah. Like, the guy, he is. And Kipper, you know, like, he, you look at him, you know what you're getting, right? Like, he's not phony. He's not phony at all. Look what he did. Like he's just hardcore. Like he, but but he knows the game. Look, look, all these coaches, you know, you can look at Craig Broom like, oh my god, he's like intimidating. You're like, oh god, but he's a hockey nerd. They all are. They all text each other, call each other. They break things down. Like he loves the game, and for him to play that long, like just the knowledge of how you get, like for the skilled guys, when the puck comes up the boards, I'm going to use my skill and I'm going to tin into it. And I'm going to make a little sauce that's they're like guys like Barubi and myself and stuff. Like you have to think, what am I going to do? I'm not that skilled, so I'm going to kick it to myself. Like you think the game differently, and he's, he 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 kind of took that and molded it into a great coaching career. And the boys respect him. I'm telling you, they really really do. And he's got them going. He really does. Do a bunch of weird stuff, by the way, down here with COVID and all that. Cam, it's it's been a bit of a love hate relationship between Barubi and Tarasenko as well, and that's where it's just that brutal honesty. It's like, hey, bud, you're 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 not on the number one power play tonight. You know, live with it, deal with it. And, he, oh, and, well, and Tarasenko's been great too. Well, look, that went on for a little bit, and look, that was the first time Vladdy wasn't the king here, right? Like, think about it. You know how it is. You've seen it, Kipper. Like, where you see the guys, like when they kind of fall off a little bit, they don't know how to react to it. And then all of a sudden you get more pressure and like, what do I do? And your agent comes in and does stuff. So like, if you really sit back and look at all the stuff that Vlade did, he messed up. His whole team messed up when it was, they're too loud and he didn't react well, but then he's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I don't have any leverage because I've been, haven't skated in two years, basically. Like Doug Armstrong's like, well, what are you going to do? And now we're going to have to keep you. Like, there's no, you don't play. Like no one's taking a risk on you. We're going to, hold you out of the expansion draft or whatever, not, not protect you, and we're going to take that risk. And I think Vladdy was getting talked to by 15 different people. But, I, I you know, Craig Brewery's the kind of guy, and all those guys on that team, they, they're winners. They know what to do. They know there's drama with some things here and there. And Vladdy came in this year and was like, I don't give a damn. What's up? And the guy's like, okay, come in and play. We know it's business. And they all are like, whatever now. And now Vladdy has a point in every single game. And he's just doing his thing. Now he's got some Russians by him too, where they're all like, you know how they are. Like they'll, they get, they can, they're competitive. Buchnevich, Barbie, all those guys are very competitive with each other and they're pushing each other. And it's actually really good fit. So all that drama, it's gone, dude. You know, it's business now. 
So, so another competitive guy there that's in St. Louis is, uh, is Bennington. Bennington, I, I want to get your thoughts on the way he handles himself. You know, because he's a, he's a guy. He's someone we talk about, like, you know, that some fans go, I'd like to punch that goaltender. And other fans love him because he's competitive and confident. You know, where are you on the, the Bennington antics that, that come out sometimes? Okay, the antics aside, he's a really good dude. I yes. evaluate people like I just do, you know, that's kind of like your job now. You know, we all get evaluated. But I, like, talk to him at places. Like, I could just tell he's a good guy. He actually knows you. He talks to you, looks to you, shakes your hand. You know, just little stuff like that. Yeah, that might sound corny. But no, no, no. I evaluate people on that. He's fun. He's cool. He loves, he does stuff around St. Louis. Doesn't talk about it. Just goes and does things for kids and stuff. I see it all. I hear it all. And so that in itself, he's cool. But the antics on the ice, like, I, I like it, too. He's a cool goalie. People talk about him. We're in, like, a mid-market team. Like, the Blues, we need to – no one kind of – like, they always – like, in St. Louis, everybody loves the Blues. Everybody – you can't go anywhere if you're a Blues player. Like, it is what it is. The fans are awesome. But overall, like, they're not talked about as much. And it is just is what it is. But, like, Benner is a cool goalie. He's loud. He might slash you in the face. Now, if he's acting like he's tough, he's probably going to get his ass kicked by somebody. Like, he's, I, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, he's like a buck 20, so you guys know. And so he might get pounded, but at least he doesn't care. And he's, you know, he just goes out there like, I am who I am, and I might talk trash because I'm mad. Cam, one more before we, we let you go. Uh, you, you guys do a terrific job on your uh, Cam and Strick podcast uh, last week. Uh it was quite interesting. You had Bob Clark on. And listen, we're all in the broadcast world. We all uh, invite guests. Sometimes we don't know whether or not we're going to get gold or Melba toast with some of these guys that come on our show. We know that. We take a chance. Bob Clark comes on and just gives you absolute gold. Did you have any idea at all at the time that he was going to come in and talk so candid about uh, Ron Hextall or what went on in Philadelphia over the last few years. Like, how surprised were you the things that he said last week? Okay, first of all, we didn't know anything specific, you know. Like, Andy's going to ask those kind of, like, technical questions. He's really good. I try to, like, but we're not out there to kind of do that. We're just shooting a breeze. Listen, he lives out in Florida. He's been in the game for decades. Upon He's done it all. And it's like, he doesn't even hang out with hockey people down. He just golfs all day. Like, he's just probably like, no, here's what I'm going to say. People are going to talk about, well, might as well just let the, here's my side of the story. Just like Neil Smith does. Just like we all kind of do with stuff. Not that you want to call people out, and I don't want that. But it's also not like you have Trevor Zegras on, and he's like, and he says something maybe goofy. Or we're going to try to get that and pump it up. No, like, you don't do that. But Bobby Clark, <laughs> you know. But he can say what the hell he wants to say. He's a big boy. Who cares? And maybe he needed to let the truth out on that because it probably pissed him off. I don't know. But, you know, yeah, I, I didn't know he was going to I, I, I didn't get He's venom cool. out of him. Yeah, I didn't get venom out of him. I just said, you know, this is Bobby Clark. I'm 72 years old. This is the way I saw it. Deal with exactly. it. This is it. I'm in the game. I deserve to say what I want. <laughs> I, I've grinded. I've won cups. I've done my thing, you know. So that's how I look at it with these old guys. And they should come out and do that. When we're that old, too, if you're in part of stuff after stuff after stuff and people talk about it all the time, you're like, wait, what? What? It probably drives you crazy. No wonder you have to go away and go golf with people that aren't associated with hockey just to get away from it. So 
so maybe he, did these guys just want to call him? Maybe like, here's a, here's a deal. Okay, see you later. I'm going to go back to my other world. When you guys find me, when I'm 72 years in Florida, everybody is awesome. I love everybody. Now go away. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what you're getting out of me at 72. I'm going. <laughs> I can't get to the golf course. I don't need follow up calls. Yeah. <laughs> hey Cam, really appreciate your time, buddy. Anytime, guys. Anytime. You know that. Enjoy uh, Chris Pronger night. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody will, man. Hopefully, it's a physical game with Nashville. Cam Jansen, former NHL forward. Thanks, Cam. Co-host of Cam and Strict podcast. Make sure you catch it. Uh, there's a lot of good ones including the real Kipper and Bourne show, uh, but they, they do a terrific job. Yeah. Oh, and I like the idea that it's not like the, they were like soundbite hunting or playing gotcha radio with Bobby. They're just like, hey, what happened here? And Bobby's like, this is what happened. And that's the end of that. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's not really, there's no ulterior uh, motives going on there. Uh, interesting to hear him talk about Tarasenko and how sometimes, you know, some, some of these stars, they, uh, they get ahead of themselves, and I, I think Tarasenko came down to earth. We've had this conversation before where I just like, dude, you're not Ovechkin. You're not going to get treated like Ovechkin. You've been a good hockey player and times uh, a great one for the Blues, but you're not in that class. Yeah, it's tough to dig in on true stars. Like there's, I don't know how many people in the world that can single-handedly take over a game and score a goal and, you know, do those special things. And generally they're catered to. Uh, Often you get the best out of them when they have to confront what they really are on the whole. And it sounds like they did a good job letting him know. And he's, he's responded well, right? Like he's not come out and pouted. He's, he's given them their best. So he's been really good. Yeah. They're going to have to deal with it though. I think this will still be his last year there. Yeah. Especially if he, yeah. Well, listen, he, he, he's still got another year on his contract. I don't. If he's scoring when he's in there and he's one of the better offensive players, he's not going to want to go into his last year without a, a renewal out of St. Louis. I, I don't think they're going to give it to him. They've got, mm-hmm. they've got these young players now that they got to look after. Uh, I would imagine his, if he's able to be in the top two scoring or top three scoring with St. Louis, uh, I think he, he's type of guy that I think would want to raise. <laughs> well, what, what's crazy though, is that, you know, he was available and people didn't want him. So, you know, that, that can't uh, drive the price up on a guy too much or good perspective, at least when he's going into his negotiations, that it wasn't like there was a crazy bidding war for his services. So that should be a bit of a reality check. Sammy, you kind of give it to Seattle a little bit for not claiming him, eh? It was make fun of the squids for their horrible expansion draft. I can't believe they didn't take Tarasenko. And just to go back to Camp Jansen and the, those comments, it'd be hard to take those out of context. You know, like, it's not, like, <laughs> yeah, it's not like you know we're you're cutting out a sentence and saying that somebody's available or something on a radio hit. That's saying some some tough stuff. So it'd be tough to take that out of context. But yeah, squids screwed that one up big time. Let's take a quick break here and, and come back. We got Eric Francis, uh, senior columnist uh, and an analyst uh, with Sportsnet. Of course, so much talk about the Oilers, but the Flames now on the outside looking in. The big NHL picture, especially here in Canada, up next after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Sammy McKee, Derek Brandale, operating the tech on the Real Kipper and Bourne show. What is going on with the province of Alberta, JB? 
can they uh, win games anymore? Uh, so much focus on Edmonton, and then we look and we see Calgary struggling, struggling a little bit. So let's welcome in Eric Francis, senior columnist and an analyst with Sportsnet. Eric, how are you, pal? I'm excellent. How are you, my man? We're good. Um, I don't know what's going on, though, with the, the Flames and the Oilers, but uh, that's why you're here right now to kind of explain it to us because Calgary was one of those teams where we thought once you get past November, maybe they are who we, we think they might be. And, wow, the last four games, no points in regulation losses here. What, what happened here? How, how quickly did this thing turn? Yeah, it's it's four in a row. You know, three of those were against arguably the three best teams in the league on the road in Florida, Florida, and Carolina. So tough for anybody to get many points on that trip. But this goes back to before Christmas. They've lost eight out of ten now, eight of their last ten. And uh, so the slide was starting there. You know, the players keep saying this has nothing to do with the fact that we were wiped out by covid um, and all these games, you know, the schedule's been extremely loose. Like, they basically play every fifth day right now. And so it's hard to get into momentum or try to get back into this thing. Uh, at the end of the day, they stopped playing the defensive game that, that got them to where they are. And, and I should be a little more specific because Daryl Sutter hates it when people refer to it as, you know, playing defensive. They play uh, uh, up-tempo, in-your-face, Forecheck is the key to their success, you know, cause turnovers and just be, keep the puck in the other team's zone as much as possible, which means it's harder for the other team to score. So that's what they did the first two months. And at one point, exactly six weeks ago, they were first place in the national hockey league, which shocked, you know, probably most people didn't even notice. Now, six weeks later, they're out of the playoffs and uh, trying to figure out how to get it back together again. Markstrom's a little banged up. The goaltending hasn't been that good. But at the end of the day, if this team's going to have any success, they got to win games 2-1, 3-2, And they've been in far too many shootouts lately for them to keep pace. So, Eric, we look at this team. It's like, all right, they're first in the NHL for a bit, and they've lost 8-10 uh, in the last little stretch. Probably not as good as the first part. Probably not as bad as the second part. When they self-assess as they head towards the trade deadline, what, what do you think they're thinking about their own team? Uh, I think they still believe that they can be one of the better teams in the league if they can get back to playing the style of game that they want to play. But they're having a hard time just kind of kick-starting that, that turnaround. Uh, everybody in this city is talking about how oh, they need secondary scoring because after the first line, they really haven't gotten much from anybody outside of Andrew Mangiapane. And Milan Lucic has been phenomenal too, but not offensively. Um, so, you know, this team, I think what they need is two or three games in a row where they can shut the uh, opposition down and get confidence that they can win games, low-scoring games. And once they do that, I, I feel like they think, and I actually think they can too, get back to being one of the better teams in the West. Um, but they're gonna, they need to turn it around pretty soon here. I mean, Kind of like Edmonton, this free fall has been going on for quite some time now. And you start to wonder at some point in time, are they just fooling themselves? Or, or is this team capable of better things? I think they're capable of better things. I really do. 
we saw we all saw that Lucic uh, Sabrin fight, and uh, uh, my my head was hurting just watching it on a highlight oh. reel. Um, but <laughs> you know, Eric, in the past with the Calgary Flames, it's kind of been brought up the the energy or the the emotion in the past has been an issue here. Has that kind of crept in a little bit uh, on a on a Daryl Sutter team? Dare I say? Yeah, Kipper, like that's for the last three, four years, I don't know how many coaches that is, six, seven coaches, <laughs> the, <laughs> the team, the hallmark of this team was its inconsistency. You know, from period to period, game to game, you never knew what you were going to get. You'd see brilliances, uh, flashes of brilliance, and then you'd, you'd see dismal spells in game and, and, and during weeks. Um, the consistency seemed to be the number one thing that Daryl Sutter addressed when he came here. Maybe not last year, you know, but by the time he got a full camp in him and they started this season under, you know, full Daryl Sutter expectations, this team's consistency was as good as I've ever seen in 27 years of covering this team. Like, you knew every night they were going to come with energy. I think they scored the first goal in something like 18 of their first 23 games. They just they came ready to play. They showed up on time. They dominated early, and they carried it through for the rest of the game. That's their recipe for success. Score that first goal and then just smother them with that relentless forecheck. And, and they've gotten away from that. Uh, and, and, and the consistency is not there either. And so maybe you're right. Maybe that's just something that's, you know, part of this franchise. We thought we'd seen the last of it. Uh, and then December hit and, and, and they're back to their old tricks. I look at their roster, and you mentioned the secondary scoring. Well, you know, a name that I was looking at to see how how it was going for him was Blake Coleman. Uh, Thirty-three games, six goals, five assists. Uh, has he lived up to the billing uh, heading into this season? Well, great, great question, Borden. Like, it's all based on expectations. Yeah, like the, right. the amount of money they're paying him. No, he hasn't lived up to that uh, amount of money. But when you sign a guy out of an unrestricted free agency, you always overpay. And it's always tough for those guys to kind of, you know, be considered a, a solid bang for their buck. He's been really good defensively. He's the kind of guy you'll always have on the ice the last couple of minutes of a game if you're leading. He's also become quite a leader. Like, you know, when things are going sideways, he's the first guy on the Zoom call to sit there and answer questions and, 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 and throw himself under the bus. But, but six goals is not enough. I mean, he, he's a 20-goal scorer, has been for a number of years. Uh, you know, been on pace for 20, I think, the last three or four years. Even though he's played, you know, in Tampa, he played a checking role. He still was able to score his fair share of goals. He hasn't done that here. They don't know where he fits in the lineup. He's somewhere in the middle six. Um, and, and so, you know, there's some good there. I don't think anybody's willing to crap all over him. He's getting a ton of shots on goal, but his shooting percentage is, is abysmal compared to where it's been throughout his career. So, I do think most people here think that eventually those goals are going to come. And I think he thinks that too, uh, but time will tell. So now we've got two struggling teams in the province of Alberta, Eric. Um, and I just want to talk about expectations and the, the sense that I got, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that as, as well as things were going uh, for Calgary up to maybe two, three weeks ago, the feeling was maybe we're punching a little bit out of our weight class here. And, mm-hmm. and you know, but in Edmonton, it was like, no, we've got the best player in the world. We've got the second best player, arguably, uh, in, in Sidle, and, and we need to win the Stanley Cup right now. So saying that, 
Uh, is Calgary's recent uh, lull here helped by the fact that the Oilers have won all but two games since uh, the beginning of December? Well, it's funny because I, I think you guys alluded to it off the beginning. Like, yeah, everyone in the league noticed that Edmonton's just dying a slow death here. No one kind of noticed that Calgary is suddenly doing the same thing. Um, people in Calgary were, were really enjoying the demise of the Oilers, um, as they always do, and, and vice versa. It goes both ways in this province. But, uh, but you know, now it's really interesting that both are struggling because on Saturday they play each other. And uh, I think many people would, build, would have built that even three weeks ago, saying that's a battle of two, you know, front runners in the West. And let's see, you know, where they stack up against one another. Well, now it's, well, can any of these guys get a lift out of winning? You know, someone's got to win. And maybe it'll help turn around one of those two teams. It's, yes, it cushions the blow in Calgary that Edmonton's struggling too, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy anybody. And every time the Calgary Flames play the Oilers, there's a fear in this city because McDavid has a pretty good history of lighting up the Flames especially on Saturday night games, which this one is coming up, uh, especially when they're in Edmonton. So people are terrified uh, because especially since McDavid's been pretty quiet for quite some time right now, at some point he's going to turn it around, and I'd be willing to bet a lot of money it's going to be Saturday against the Flames. You know, and that's very likely or possible. McDavid's that guy. But, like, I just look at these two teams and, like, the Flames are plus 18 in goal differential. The Oilers are at even. Like, you know, by pretty much most metrics, it's pretty clear the Flames are a better hockey club, uh, you know, when it comes down to it. You know, you see and read a lot about Edmonton, I'm sure. What are your thoughts on what's happened right there? McDavid said after the last loss, he's like, just kind of at a loss for words. We've tried to, we've talked about it a zillion times. What do you think? Well, the first part of that, like, I I think the Calgary, by any definition, Calgary's a better team than Edmonton. I mean, if you use the word team, I mean, this is just a deeper team. They play a team game. The Oilers are two men. And, and and if they get any sort of support from anyone else, that's when they are successful. In terms of why they aren't able, or, you know, what's wrong with McDavid? I don't know. Like, I, I, you know, I haven't watched all their games of late because they're so sporadic as well. But uh, he just doesn't seem to have that pep and jump, and he certainly doesn't have the support of his line mates like he used to have. And I would have thought that this – that Oilers team, especially the way they started, I thought that they were starting to get to the point. And you guys, I'd love to know if you think the same thing. Starting to think that the rest of the team was starting to, to, to get a little deeper and they were going to now be more of a team as opposed to that two-headed monster. But I think over the last month, we've seen them regress to being just a two, two-man team who really at this point only have those two guys. Those guys are both going half speed compared to what they usually are. So, you know, they're, they're, they're failing on all fronts over there in Edmonton right now. And, of course, goaltending is going to be a problem there until they address that. Eric, were you uh, surprised at how forthcoming uh, they were in revealing their cards and their interest in Evander Kane? And I also speak of of McDavid uh, publicly talking about, you know, and almost, I don't want to say dismissing the fans or the media when it comes to it, but just about, Hey, he can help us, and that's all I care about. I mean, to me, for a guy that 
a little bit more reserved, man, that, that kind of told me a lot about how desperate he is to, to wanting and needing help. Yeah, I think he's out of answers. As that, as that Latin latest press conference was clear, he's just at a loss for words. And I think he's just desperate for, hey, if you can bring someone in here and you don't have to subtract anything, you just, it's a pure ad. I mean, that's every player in the league loves a pure ad. You don't have to lose a player. You just, somebody spends money and you get this guy. Uh, but, you know, the baggage there, I think that it's easy for almost any player to just say, I can live with the baggage as long as he produces. But as soon as, if Kane comes into Edmonton and stops producing during stretches, which happens to every player in the world, um, that's when maybe the baggage and, and the antics and just the, the way he carries himself, I, I just think all that could start to weigh on a room. I, they are desperate. They do need to start winning now. And I think right now, McDavid was kind of put in a bad position because everybody wanted to know what his thoughts were on Kane. And everybody assumed that if Ken Holland was thinking about making a move, which he clearly is, to sign Kane, it would have had to go through and get the blessing for McDavid first. And that kind of puts McDavid in a tough position. But anyway, that's, that's the burden that he carries as the world's greatest player. And, uh, you know, I, I don't blame him for being so out of answers right now that he's just like, hey, bring on Charles Manson. If he can get us some points, uh, we'll take it. We made the same reference on this show. It's like, yeah, I'm not really too concerned about the other stuff. Just go ahead and shoot it in the net, please. Um, you know, yeah. l- looking at uh, that Flames roster back uh, in the other uh, Alberta team there, I'm, I'm just trying to pick it apart and try to figure out which guys are really, you know, part of the solution and all that. And we know for a while it was Goodrow and Monaghan together. Monaghan's now playing 14:42 per night, uh, four goals in 34 games. What What is he now for the Calgary Flames? Is he accepting of this lesser? role and still a valuable player or is it a little bit awkward uh, it's it's yeah awkward I don't know if I'd go that far but it's it's tough I mean the fan base here is completely given up on him um, you know he's a passenger right now is what he is you know uh, a lot of people here in this city are still upset that he's still playing uh, on the top power play unit which up until about three weeks ago was you know I think 10th in the league they do you know a little bit better than average. And he was still contributing somewhat there, but I think it was more than anything. They wanted to still give him some sort of meaning, meaningful role to prove his worth in town. But his fall from grace has been uh, spectacular. I mean, he did have hip surgery, significant hip surgery in the off season. And I don't know if that's the reason why he just can't keep up anymore. And he has no confidence and he has no finish. Remember, this guy is a 30-goal scorer pretty much every year of his career. Um, you know, he's a finisher. But they took him away from Johnny Gaudreau, and a lot of people worried that all those years he was just being propped up by Gaudreau, and he was simply a product of Johnny Gaudreau. That old adage that a fire hydrant could score 30 or whatever alongside Gretzky, you know, same sort of thing. And I think we're seeing that that was actually the case. I still, I, I, he's a class act, he's a good guy, and he works hard, but he's not effective in any way right now. I don't know if this is the beginning of the end for him because of that hip surgery or if he'll somehow find a way. But right now, he's having a hard time finding his way. It just seems over the last few years, it's it's been Goudreau and, and Monaghan. Can they lead this team? Can they mm-hmm. be the faces? Can they? And 
to your answer, I mean, if it does turn around, it won't be on the on the backs of those two guys as front liners. Uh, but has Gaudreau done enough to warrant uh, we keep him, or is this recent mini slump or whatever you want to call it? If it snowballs into something bigger, are all bets on are are, are all bets off in terms of you know whether or not we see this guy come back? You know. I- I think he's changed the narrative because he's been so good this year. Uh, I, I, you know, I've, I've been one of his toughest critics because of the way he disappears every playoff. Uh, that's, that's always been my knock on Johnny Gaudreau. Hey, for 82 games a season, you can't ask for anything more from a guy like that. He's as exciting a player as there is in the NHL. He sells a ton of jerseys. Uh, literally, when he comes over the blue line with the puck, I think he's... Uh, Borny's the king of the of the stats and and the, and the analytics, but the stat about entering the zone, uh, this is all over my head. But uh, you know the zone entries and all that. Uh, he's always top five or he's top five in the league or something like that this year. He is brilliant at coming into the zone and creating things out of nothing. Mm-hmm. He's been uh, he's been one of the top five players in the league in my opinion this year. That really ch- puts a lot of pressure on the organization to keep him. I still say. Let's see what he does in the playoffs. If he gets one final chance at getting this team, you know, through any sort of playoff success, then I think the pressure is almost insurmountable. They have to sign him, no matter what the cost is. Uh, but if he doesn't perform in the playoffs, I think it's a whole lot easier to walk away and say, look, we can't afford him. I think he's going elsewhere anyway. I've thought that forever. Um, you know, he's going to get to unrestricted free agency and see 31 other teams offers and, he's going to realize that there are way better opportunities, way more money. Um, to me, it's a no-brainer. He's gone. But, uh, you know, there is more and more pressure on the Flames to make sure that doesn't happen, um, you know, because he's been so damn good this year. Yeah, the uh, there's no doubt about that. It's been, you know, fascinating watching him, you know, sort of rediscover himself there. You know, the the one thing that always comes up is like the marriage with him and Sutter, and no one thought it would work, but it worked. Yeah. You know, do, the, do, do these guys have a relationship, or is it just like Johnny goes out and shoots it in the net, and Daryl lets him on the ice? You know, I'm curious how their relationship is. Well, it's interesting you say that because like there was a Johnny played his 400 or his 500 game last year, and I don't know if you've seen this quote, but we, you know, you, you ask the coach for the cursory, hey, uh, tell us about Johnny Gaudreau. It's his 500th game. All Sutter had to say, this was last season at the end of the year, which is, well, I hope he has more energy than he did in game 499. I love that. That, was, <laughs> that was all he could summon. You know, he couldn't even play nice for one simple quote. This year, you guys saw probably a couple weeks ago, he said Johnny Gaudreau is, is, uh, is, I think he said the top five or one of the best two-way players in the game today, straight up. And it's hard to understand how a guy like Gaudreau can be good defensively because he doesn't take the body. He, you know, he's a finisher. Not he's not a he's not a defensive player. But I keep trotting out this stat, guys, and I, I probably did it last time we spoke. But it took until game twenty of the season for his line to be scored against this year, five on five. That's one of the most incredible stats I've ever seen in my life, mm-hmm. and especially for a sniper like Johnny Gaudreau. Like him and Kachuk had never been on the ice up until game 20 for a five-on-five goal against. That says a lot about Elias Lindholm. It says a lot about Matthew Kachuk. But it says a shocking amount about Johnny Gaudreau, too, this year. Five-on-five, they've only allowed something like six goals this year and, like, scored 23. So he's found a way to be relevant in his own zone, and uh, and he still managed to keep 
that offensive side. As a matter of fact, he's on pace for, you know, being real close to his best year ever. So, I, again, I've been, you know, I, people in this city are angry at me at times for the way I come down on Gaudreau, but it's all revolving around the playoffs. Let's see if he can still be a meaningful contributor in his own zone in the playoffs, but more importantly, in the offensive zone, because he disappears every playoff that I've seen so far. One more for you, Eric, before we let you go. Eric Francis joining us, analyst with Sportsnet, uh, Markstrom, and the decision for him not to go to All-Star Weekend, and he has slumped uh, a little bit with an 880 uh, save percentage in the last four games, I believe. Uh, a good thing uh, for him to take the the weekend off, and because and, when we talk about goaltenders who've done great jobs for their, their clubs, uh, Jack Campbell here in Toronto, and I, I, I say Markstrom in Calgary. Yeah, you know, I, I would have thought, again, a month ago, you know, was Markstrom a Vesna finalist? Like, he would have been in the conversation. I don't know if he would have been a finalist, but, you know, he was the man, kind of the face of this team's turnaround this year, especially since they were doing it with all those shutouts and all those, you know, low-scoring games. He's been um, extremely pedestrian of late. Uh, he's his own harshest critic. He's been pretty critical of himself. And he's also banged up. You know, he's missed a couple practices of late. And uh, they also played the backup, Danny Vladard, in back-to-back games on the road there, which made everyone realize, okay, there definitely is something not right with Markstrom. And the coach said that he wasn't 100%. So he's still dealing with something. And if that continues to linger and be a problem, this team definitely is not going to make the playoffs because they need solid goaltending above all else if they're going to uh, you know, win with the style of game that they want to play. So he's a big question mark. I do think that. He's shown enough. The sample size is big enough over the course of his career that he'll bounce back. I still think he'll be a very solid player. I don't know if he's going to be a Vesna finalist, but he certainly is a, you know, a top 10 goalie in the National Hockey League. Zero question. I think he'll return to that form relatively soon. Eric, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. Cheers, boys. Always good to talk. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, Eric, Eric Francis. A lot to digest over the Oilers and the Flames right now, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned on our show uh, late last week that uh, Markstrom uh, is not going. Uh, is he the biggest omission uh, for you guys? Uh, Brad Marchand, Kadri. Kadri for me. He's fourth in the league in scoring, Kipper. <laughs> 48 points in 30 games. How is he not an all-star game? Once upon a time, he was an ex-Leaf. Did you ever – like, listen, watching Kadri as a Leaf, as – Never as a, a frontline centerman, always in a, a second, third slot. Did you ever see this offense capability? Top four, five in scoring no. in the league? Are you kidding no. me right now? But he was billed coming out of junior as a top guy. Like, he was a top ten pick. He was a scorer in junior with that edge. He was always sort of had that skill set. Like, he really – he had the filthy hands – He's always been really, really, really high skill, but the production hasn't been there like it's been this year. And, I mean, we always have the conversation about contract year, guys, and it's a contract year, and it's it's been shown in years past that guys sometimes have their best years when they're looking for a new contract, and it couldn't work out better for Kadri. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving that. That shootout movie he had the other day. Did you see that? Where, yeah, uh, Filthy. But he's been doing that since junior. That's his move. He did it when he came up for the, uh, the Leafs. He did that move. 
I've, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I obsess over shootouts because I love the, the, what different guys do and guys' tendencies and whatever. And Kadri's been doing that move forever. It was filthy, and the call was so good. Send him to Vegas, baby! As he was doing it, I, I loved it. So I, I hope he gets it. But what about, what about Willie Nylander? Is he not a, is he not a snub? He's been unbelievable this year. Let me, uh, before we move on to maybe Nylander here. Uh... I want to ask Justin this question here on on Kadri. Uh, mm-hmm. The number one reason why he's not a Toronto Maple Leaf anymore is the suspensions. Exactly. Yeah. Has his season right now and what he's been able to do as a top scorer in the National Hockey League and uh, just the consistency has that buried people's perception now that he'll he's gone to another level and he won't do anything stupid like that again? Because I get that feeling. Well, it it could be both. It's like every time, Kipper, that it's happened, it's been like, well, it can't happen again, or it's really unlikely to happen again. And it happened a second time. They got rid of him. And then he went to playoffs for Colorado, and he brained Justin Falk. And, yeah. you know, it's like it's been, it, three's, three's enough. Here's the thing. Do I think he's going to do it again? No, I don't. I think the Leafs would, would I bet love against to it? Would I bet against oh, I, it? I'd bet against it. I wouldn't. I no. Mean, that's <laughs> He's he has always kind of been one of those wire cross guys. Yeah, like he I'd, just. I'd, I'd, I'd bet against it. Uh, I, I'd, yeah, I I'd guess. bet. I'd, I'd bet that he would not. He's not getting a, a, a lengthy suspension like that look, again. When you gamble, you look for the value in things. You look for yeah. something that's a little undervalued <laughs> that might happen. Him not doing something dumb again is a heavy favorite right now. It is. But it is. when games get you know greasy. He is a wires cross guy. He always has been. Going back to junior, going back to his early days at the Leafs, he's been suspended multiple times at least, not even in the playoffs. He once he, I remember in, in the World Juniors, he did a throat slash to a guy in the box. Like he is a he is a wire cross hard competitor type. I love of guy. those guys. Uh, you know, I like not only, Kipper, you you play with anyone who you're yeah. like, oh my god, that guy was totally normal, and then they just like lose their bananas. Dale Hunter. Oh yeah, Dale Hunter. Well, yeah, well, I think of a couple of his uh, the Turgeon play. I'm sure it was a wire across. Oh, yeah, my favorite. It was my favorite. My favorite thing ever is him after he got. Oh, he's just finishing my check. He said when he was asked about that after it happened. <laughs> okay, I've, I've got a I got a great question for both of you. Oh, baby. okay, oh, all right. If you can exclude the, will Kadri do something stupid in the playoffs? Okay. If you can just. Check that at the door right now. Uh huh. Would you today trade Kadri for Tavares? I was lose the question. Lose the eleven million for three more years on Tavares's contract. Oh my God! In take, a heartbeat. Just let me finish. Take <laughs> take back Kadri's four point five this year. Yeah. And open up. The, the six to go get uh, help on the blue line. I mean, no. I'm not even. No, I didn't let you finish the question. Well, Sam, are you out of your ever-loving you mind? out of your mind, Sam? You guys are taking Tavares for granted. <laughs> You're taking if Tavares he, for granted. You are. He, he covers Tavares' points. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't do and it. You, I don't do it. No, no, no. Go with Lilligren and Sandine as uh, you know, your shutdown line. Good, good plan, Sam. Good plan. I'm giving you is $6 that... million, dollars, Sam. Nah. 
I don't do it. Improve I... your blue line to win a Stanley Cup this year. Hand no. over six million. <laughs> Here's no. my question. Here's no, my no. question, Kipper. I'm not doing do it. Do you want? Do you want? You have to take the cap hit of Tavares. Do you want Kadri or Tavares? Tavares. I'm I, I'm sorry if I had to take the cap. So hit. the cap hits eleven million bucks either way, and you can have one of the two centermen. Which centerman do you want? I mean, it's so all on. This well, is with the with this I, is with your point that he's yeah. not suspending someone or not well, getting if suspended. He, yeah, if he, I, I like just the getting edge. him. Kadri can provide me a playoff uh, sandpaper edge that Tavares can't. I will say though, in my own question. Tavares. I still want Tavares if, if their cap hits the same. Okay. If I get Kadri's well, cap hit, I want it's, Yeah. You, you know what, then? You, you're, you're talking about two pretty good players that bring different yeah. elements to the, their game, you know, and uh, Tavares isn't going to get in your face. He's not going to push back, but then there's the factor of Kadri losing it. I mean, you can't ignore it, but it it, it, it makes for an interesting conversation you know if if in fact that Kyle decided to keep Kadri all these you know the last few years and not sign Tavares to the 11 how much of a different look would the Leafs have today you have to if you can get Tavares I know I know but we, it's it hasn't worked out that you, you just had to do it Sam I made you think I made no, you, you think did. today I disagree with that I I've disagreed with that from day one I'm not I, you can go back, you can find the tapes of me talking about this. I hated that trade day one. Everyone's like, it's a trade you had to make. He got suspended no, no, again. No, 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 no. You had to sign Tavares. I said. Oh, I thought you were yeah. you had to trade If Kadri. you can get John Tavares for not giving up an asset aside from his paycheck, he was a UFA. I think you have to get him on your team if you can. I hate to admit this because it's so sad and it shows where Leaf fandom has been at in the last 10 years. But one of the best days of Leaf fandom in the last 15 years was Canada Day when John Tavares signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, that is as excited as I've been of being a Leaf fan in a very long big. time. I, I was on the desk, though, and the, the, the first question we said when we heard about Tavares signing is, this is going to change everything for, for the whole uh, salary cap for the Toronto Maple Leafs. This has just mm-hmm. cost you millions in, in uh, Matthews and Marner. I mean, we saw that July 1st while Sammy was celebrating, you know, in the Danforth waving the Leaf flag. We, we, had, start, we had started the, the questioning of what does this do to Matthews and Marner and where is the money going to come from? That, that was from day one, Sammy. And here I we know. are years later and it's still a major issue. I just can't. I just can't sit here as a fan. And hey, guess what? You guys are the smart analysts. You guys are the guys that make the big bucks. But Way I to go, Kiffer. I can't sit here as a fan and have any remorse about one of the best players in the league when he signed the contract, choosing to sign for the Toronto Maple Leafs, tweeting out pictures of him in his pajamas, being called Pajama Boy, getting booed on the – I take pride. The only thing that I was embarrassed about over his tenure was when he got booed in Toronto – booed in – uh, sorry, in what was in Long yeah. Island the first time they came back and they declared it John Tavares Day, and it was like the, oh, we were so mean to him. I was that was the most embarrassing thing ever. Anyways, that's just hurt feelings. That's all. But right? I we just love you, Johnny. That was ugly. Guilt, that was ugly girlfriend. with a capital U. Yeah. 
Man, I just did an Islanders podcast, like, I don't know, a few days ago, and they were like, what about Tavares? And, of course, you have to ask the question, but, like, it is, it's still a very real thing that people think about that. That is the, the relationship gone bad. He, I mean, listen, he's been everything and more since he's come. He's been a point per game he's since he's awesome. come. He, he's a unbelievable yeah, he's got a, Canada caliber player. got to get him out of the first round, boys. I'm sorry. I don't give a crap about what you're saying. He's wearing a C on his jersey. He's got to get out of the first round. Nah, I, hey, guess Not what? Oh, I'm going could, to sit here and be like, oh, no, you're wrong about that. Like, it's hard to argue against that. But I take a lot of pride in the fact that he signed here, and I love Tavares Listen, for it. He, he gives a consistent le- effort every night. Yeah, he, he, he leaves it on the ice. Whatever he's capable of giving, he gives. Yes. No, no question about that. That's something you say about someone who's not very good, Kipper. Yeah, no, whatever he can do, he does his very best. Oh, I guess him <laughs> snapping it bar down on Bennington on Saturday night wasn't good enough. Listen, I love him. I'm yeah. just saying, that's what you say about you sure people about who are very you good. You guys hate him. You guys yeah. would rather have Kadri. Trade yes, him for Kadri. I, 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 I just wish he had a little more snarl. That's all. Yeah. God. Right? A little bit more pushback, a little bit more. F I wish I had a golden dumper, him. but that's the way life goes, I guess. <laughs> I got, you know, I'll be honest. I, I, I tell you guys all the time, I wasn't tough. I didn't play this game. But, like, I was so afraid of being perceived as not tough that I punched people in the face. Like, I, I would like some of these guys to at least <laughs> yeah. be afraid of being perceived as a coward and just throw a punch here and there. I fought just so people didn't think I was a coward. So you would look like bunting out there, eh? Just trying to yeah. pick fights with guys that just dummy them. Uh, he, yeah, more or less. He, he takes his lumps, doesn't he? Big time. How, how about that hit crew gave him by the bench for chirping? Well, I yeah. The... <laughs> didn't like it? Oh, I didn't like it. Did we lose Sammy there? I, lost I me. think we lost Long. Sammy. All right, we lost Sammy. I'm still here. Uh, That's good. What did you think? Like, I, I get he wants to be a pain in the ass. I get it, and he's, and he's good at it. Um, but... You know, every once in a while, it's nice to see you knock somebody else down on the ice. Yeah. JB. Yeah, you know, if he, I just like that. I do like that he's stirring it up and all that, but he's been developing We're, a reputation. We just talked about Kadri. You're back there, Sammy? We, we, yeah, we I'm just back. talked about what, Kadri. Like, he, he, he has. We're just saying about Bunting that, like, he's got this reputation now where he's getting people to do what Krug did to him, but he's not getting the penalty. He's getting coincidentals because they know. They know he's a part of the problem, and he's not drawing them as successfully. No, it's true. And he, guess what, like, everyone was bent. I don't know how far I got was yelling out for no, not talking, but people were getting bent out of shape with the coincidentals on Saturday night. But when you run around yeah. yelling at everybody and you're in the crease the whole night, like that's kind of what happens. That's kind of the way life goes when you're acting like that. Sometimes you get the penalty it drawn. Sometimes you get taken too. <laughs> yes, yeah, correct. It, it it's you know he's he's setting the trap up right, and I probably think that he didn't look towards Krug to probably sell that maybe he was going to draw a penalty off. Of I it. agree. Yeah, I think okay, he knew that was Krug like was there. accidentally yeah. on purpose. I'm going to have Krug hit me. I'm going to go down like I was shot, and uh, yeah. I'll draw the extra two penalties. And but I kind of, I, oh I, I kind of like that they, they, they didn't fall for it. I don't Let, want to see just, that. Let's just do our weekly uh, check-in. Boy, his agent did a bad job. Sorry, sorry, Bunting's <laughs> agent. But what's he got? Twenty-five points now. Like he's. You know, he's mixing it up. He's playing on the top line. The extra year at 950. My God. Yes. 
yeah. and you know, for for a bad agent call to a great call by Kyle Dubas, like locking exactly. that up again next season for another what you hope is a competitive run. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. uh, well, that's a big move you know, adding bun- that extra year for under a million. Yeah, if you're bunting and bunting's agent, you're saying, "Oh yeah, I did a bad job. I put him on Austin Matthews' line. He's the guy's on a cap-strapped team, and I put him in the best chance on earth. He's going to get 60 points next year and sign for eight million dollars. You know, it's like, you know, maybe in the short term I didn't get them get him the money, but I'm going to get get the money for the kid. That that would be the playing the long game. Playing the long uh, game. Yeah. Chestnut you know, you're, in that, you're, you're in that wheelhouse of 26, 27, 28. You know, that's where you want to. That's where you, you you can cash in if you're UFA. But mm-hmm. good on Kyle Dubas. Will cash in. All right, Sammy. What uh, else you want to get into? Well, what else I you want to go? Something that I know. Oh yeah. Okay. Go ahead. No, 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 Sammy. You you drive the bus here. Ovechkin. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, we got it. Oh, this is Vorney's favorite segment. We got to check in. Uh... He scored again. Man. Now he's only 138 oh goals away from Gretzky's all-time record. Ten away from Yager for third all-time in the NHL goal-scoring lead. The NHL, the National Hockey League, all-time third. He only needs ten more. 138 behind Gretzky. That's our weekly check-in on Ovi. I know you love that one, Barney. <laughs> 138, so he gets 20. 20- 20 more this year, and then he's got to score 30 goals four straight seasons. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Hey, oh, I love it. We, we mentioned Calgary hitting a funk here. Washington looks a little bit tired right now. Yeah. No, they, you know what? They've actually been bad. They've been flat out bad. If you go back and look at their record uh, since Christmas, uh, they're, they're taking their lumps. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely – uh, reeling a little bit, and I don't know why. To be honest, I, I, I like that team. Lots of talent there. Nothing's changed, has it? Maybe they got COVIDed up. I haven't followed uh, close enough. And they're questioning goaltending a little bit there too, as well. Yeah, but, that'll do it, won't it? Uh, always, always the case. Yeah. The Atlantic stays competitive with Florida, Tampa Bay, and Toronto. They just, all three of them, just keep winning. You know? Yeah, and the poor the Bruins okay too, Kipper. Bruins are coming on. Hey, we'll have more of that ten. tomorrow. Yeah. We're going to track down Cam Neely, I think. Oh, baby. We'll get some answers out of the Boston Bruins and our Leaf fans. Sammy, are you looking at the standings? Could it be Toronto, Boston in the first round? Sammy would have a heart attack. He wouldn't handle it. We'll get we'll get into that tomorrow. Oh, sorry, go ahead. All right, let me close out here, boys, because it was a great show. Gary Galley, Eric Francis, uh, terrific. Cam Jansen, uh, all thank you so much for your contributions on the Real Kipper and Born Show. We're right back at it tomorrow. Stay safe, everybody.